Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Believe in Lions podcast. Unfortunately, no victory Monday today, but... We've got a lot of news to break down for you. I'm your host, as always, Jack Cavanaugh, joined by the one, the only, all-pro safety for the Detroit Lions who could end up being coaching the Detroit Lions secondary. At least we have our fingers crossed. It's Glover Quinn. What's up, man? What's up, man? How y'all doing today? I've been better. I was a lot better last Friday when the Lions were 1-0. and Now they fall to 1-1, and and so puts a little bit of a damper on the week, but there were still some things to enjoy about the game and a lot to not. No question. No question. I feel the exact same way. Felt great last Friday getting up. Big win against Kansas City on national TV, and then we come back and does not get it done against the Seattle Seahawks. And I was afraid of that. I I felt it. I was just like, you know what, man? I knew Seattle was going to come in scrappy, man. You know, no team wants to go down 0-2. It's a good coach over there, a good team. I knew they were going to come in playing hard, responding on the road. That's the best thing that could have happened for them, really, to go on the road. And... They came out and I played us. They were more physical than we were. They they executed better than we did. They made more plays than we did in the secondary. They made more plays than we did. They had more pass breakups than we did. And it seemed like every time on third down, we could not get the stop that we needed. And, you know, Geno Smith just feels like he is invincible when he's playing against the Lions. He literally turns into a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, if he could have his whole career against the Lions, he would no doubt be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And it's just so strange how this happened. The Lions to Geno Smith are like the New England Patriots to Eli Manning. Just something turns on and he cannot lose. He cannot make a mistake. Geno shreds us over 300 yards passing, 393 yards of total offense for the Seahawks. But down from last year, last year it was 555 yards allowed by the Lions defense. Year before that, Aaron Glenn's defense allowed 497 yards to the Seattle Seahawks. Like you were saying on Twitter, the Lions just have, or the Seahawks just have the Lions number. Yeah, and it's like that sometimes, man. You know, you have certain teams that you just struggle against. It doesn't matter who's the coach, who's the, who the players are. You just struggle against those teams. You just can't. It doesn't matter if you're playing at home, you're playing away. You just struggle against certain teams. And you have some teams that you just play well against. Regardless, you can be in a bad year, but you play good against this team just because. I don't know why. You know, players, you know, we have different stadiums that we always play good in or different teams that you play good against. And some teams, you could be in your MVP year and you just don't play good against a certain team. That's just really what it is sometimes. And so that's, that's, that's all I can say, right? The Lions just do not, at this moment, 
You know, even going back to 2015 when we played Seattle up in Seattle on Monday night and we lose the little fluky game on the bat out ball to on Calvin Johnson, right? We lose that game in Seattle. And then you go to the playoffs in 2016 and we lose in Seattle. It just it just been a while and Seattle just has our number. I mean, I think we played Seattle again in 18. My last year there are 17, one of them, and we lost to Seattle again with Russell Wilson. And so it's just something about Seattle that got the Detroit Lions number. And, you know, that's one game. But just like last year, when you lose those NFC games, if you're fighting for wild card spots or things like that, those those games like that come into play when you're looking at tiebreakers because San Francisco is clearly going to win probably that division as they stay how they are. So Seattle is going to be probably battling with the Rams or somebody to try to get a wild card spot. Bet online is your number one source for your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or Use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B L E A V. Bet online where the game starts. And we saw it last year. The Seahawks beat the Lions early in the season. At the end of the season, it was the Seahawks who kept them out of the playoffs. You can't have that. You cannot be losing these NFC matchups. We'll talk about the Atlanta Falcons later because the Lions can't afford a loss to the 2-0 and Falcons, which no one saw coming. But as for Seattle, one sack, one sack by this Detroit Lions defense on the Seahawks with both their tackles out, their center goes down during the game, and yet the only sack that the Lions get is at the very end of the game when the Seahawks are trying to milk clock. They weren't going to throw the ball away. Otherwise, Geno would have. And it was, a, I think it was 12 seconds, a 12-second play for the Lions to get their first sack of the season. Yeah, you know, and I was not expecting that. I, I was expecting the Lions to really get after Geno coming off of what the Seattle Seahawks did in the last half of their game against the Rams, not having two tackles, you know, Aiden Rush and James Houston and those guys, you know, I was expecting those guys to have big days. And honestly, and maybe it was because, you know, I watch, you know, the YouTube TV Sunday tickets. So I have, you know, probably five games going. Yesterday, I probably had four games going with the Red Zone channel. Like I have a lot going on, right? But I have the lines, so I'm watching them, and I'm trying to listen. And at one point, I was like, is Aiden Hutchinson playing? Do we have, like, are we, like, like, I don't even remember them calling his name hardly until he had the the pass breakup on a screen or something in the fourth quarter. They tried to throw a quick pass, and he knocked it down. Outside of that, I didn't even really see to put the camera on him. Like, I was, I had to look. I was like, is he even playing? And I was expecting him to have four or five, three, two or three sacks. And James Houston, I was like, what, what are we doing? Are we calling plays where those guys are dropping back in coverage and we running fire zones and stuff? Like, let those guys go get after the quarterback. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, James Houston in coverage on a tight end. Noah Fant, too. That killed me. Yeah, I just, 
you know, let those guys go rush the passer. That's what they do well, you know what I'm saying? And so even when I play, you know, I, some teams like fire zones, and I get it, right? Fire zones are okay when you pull them out at the right time, but I just like for people to do what they do best. If you are a pass rusher, go rush the passer. Like, I just do not like those guys having to drop into pass coverages because at the end of the day, they don't practice it enough. So, yeah, if the ball comes out fast because they they got fooled on the, on the blitz and this and this and that, and they can be in the zone quickly and, you know, knock a pass down, fine. But at the end of the day, if the quarterbacks have to hold the ball or can hold the ball, those guys are lost out there. They don't know where they're going. They just out there, like, just in space. And now those receivers, the tight ends catch the ball. Those big – the D linemen are in space. They can't tackle those guys like that. It's just – I don't like a lot of fire zones like that because you can run fire zones where you keep your linebackers and your safety as your underneath guys. You can do that. You don't have to always drop your defensive ends or things like that. So I get it every now and then, but – I feel like Aiden Hutchinson, James Houston, those guys got to be going out to the pass rusher, especially when I know they're missing two tackles. Yeah, and it's just going to get worse for the Detroit Lions. James Houston breaks his ankle. He's going to be out six to eight weeks. Josh Pascal's on injured reserve as well. So that's two players down on that defensive line already. A defensive line that in, in week one, they were getting pressure, just not getting home this week. Not getting pressure at all. Alex Anzalone, when he knocked down Geno Smith, that was the only time he got hit. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, Geno Smith feels invincible playing against the Lions. So he's out there like living his best life for some reason. And you got to give it up. Give it up to them. You know, they they came in and, you know, the thing about Seattle, you know, and, and they did. Okay, I guess against the run game, you know, Kenny Walker had 17 carries, 43 yards. Not great at all, you know what I'm saying? But it was just like we could not get off the field on third downs. I just don't understand, you know, what was going on from – and you look at Seattle, it's like, I mean, they didn't even really have big, big plays like that. They didn't really – like, I mean – what was the biggest play they had? Maybe a pass to Tyler Lockett? Yeah. And right. and even then, he was doing a lot of underneath stuff. Underneath stuff. It you was, Gino was just feasting on the 12 to 5-yard passes and just hit, hit, hit. Couldn't stop yeah. it. I mean, DK, six catches. Tyler, eight catches. Noah, four catches. Just spreading the ball all the way around. Jackson, Smith, Nick, but five catches. Like, nobody really just went off but it's just a bunch of catches underneath crossing routes moving the chains on first on on third down controlling the clock getting in the red zone and then running the ball and scoring touchdowns on this and it's just you know and like I said I'm not I'm not a wishy-washy type of guy you know it'd be like that sometimes but you know yesterday you know when we came when, when I came out of training camp you know, I I was like, you know, one of the things that kind of scared me was the line's depth at corner, right? Because I'm like, I didn't even know Jerry Jacobs was a corner. I thought he was a safety, you know. And when I see his body, 
he looks like a safety. Um, so you got Cam Sutton and then you got Jerry Jacobs, and then and I was and I wondered about that. I was I was like, you know, if we play against some, you know, big time receivers, I would like to see how we hold up against those guys. And, you know, I feel like that receiver core yesterday wasn't great, but it was like they were going at Jacobs a lot, you know. Cam's been holding up pretty good, but they it seemed like they went after Jacobs a lot, and he, you know, he didn't respond well. He didn't, you know, keep his composure well, competing well, um, and they and they, they they attacked him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Emmanuel Mosley when he's healthy enough to play, if he'll play more in the lineup. But even the safeties, too. The safeties weren't making big plays. C.J. Gardner-Johnson had two big plays in the run game, but one he got a penalty on for a late shove. Kirby Joseph dropped interception. He gets he gets the pass interference in the end zone. I don't know about that, though, because the reason he pass interfered is because Metcalf pulls his face mask into him. But still, that those were the two plays, a dropped interception and a DPI. It just didn't feel like we were hearing anyone's name called. And, and at the end of the day, you know, I'm the type of person where I look at things very, 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 very critically. Like that is the difference between good and great. Like that's not just an interception. That's a pick six. That's a game changer. That's a, that's a lifting the team to victory type of play. You have to go and make that play. You got to, you got to, you can't short arm it. You can't miss it. You, you got to make that pick. And that just is a microcosm to what was going on with the lines yesterday. It was just a little tick off, just a little tick off. And in the NFL, if you're a little tick off, these teams will beat you. And they were talking too during the game about, or before the game, sorry, about, oh, well, if we start getting turnovers, we got to get the ski mask, the turnover ski mask. Ford Field flooded with the blue ski mask. And then they don't get a single turnover. And then the Seahawks are wearing the ski masks in their locker room. And it just hurts. It just, it hurts. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, this, this this is kind of my thing. You know what I'm saying? And I know people will say all oh, this and this and that because I'm an old school guy or whatever. You know, the ski mask thing, that's, that's cool, right? Do what you got to do for your team, right? The only thing I didn't like about Seattle and them with the ski mask is for one you know the guy that was rocking the ski mask was jared reed right jared reed is a fellow lobo right so and he's a fellow mississippian so he's one of my guys i've met him from going out to watch my lobos and the only thing i I don't really have a problem with far as, you know, him doing it. The only thing that got me was this. I don't like when it's like position to position stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like the fact that CJ Gardner Johnson is a safety and he's doing that. I don't like when other DBs mock other DBs. Like we're all DBs at the end of the day. Now, if Amon Ross St. Brown was doing the ski mask and Jerry Reed did that, 
hey, I get it. That's a wide receiver. We DBs. We scrapped y'all up, yada, yada, yada. But when positions go at positions, that's why I said what I said earlier in the in the offseason when Tyler Boyd came at Odell Beckham. It's like both of you guys are wide receivers. Like, why are you going at Odell Beckham? You know what I'm saying? So that right there kind of bothers me. But, you know, it's fun. You know, you, you come in there, you got a chip on your shoulder, and that's just kind of how you do it. So um, no harm, no foul, I guess. But that's just my take on it. When I saw it, I didn't even want to share his, his post because he's a Lobo. So I, I, I like that he's having fun. And he made the team and he's balling. But like I said, I don't like DB on DB crime. We got we to support each other because it's hard out here. Respect your fellow position mates, no matter what team they play on. Go after the guys that play the other positions against you. And speaking of the guys going against Jarek Reed, the offense for the Detroit Lions, they were pretty good. They held their own for the most part. But then when things got critical, David Montgomery goes down and they lose a lot of that short yardage running ability. Jared Goff throws a pick six, his first interception in over 300 pass attempts. They got it done. They put up points. It just felt a little off. Yeah, they they were off. They they were not executing the way that they usually execute. Um, plain and simple, you know. And the thing is, the thing that hurts the Lions at this point right now, right, is they're having to manufacture big plays from the flea flicker to Khalif Raymond. Outside of that, they don't just have anybody that's going to take you up top. So when teams know that, they don't fear, you know, the guys. I mean, did I mean if I'm if I'm just looking, you know, did Marvin Jones even play yesterday? I saw him on the field, but I don't remember him. Ca- yeah, he I was even, blanked on the stat sheet. Yeah, he didn't. He's not even on the stat sheet, right? You look at it. Amon Ross St. Brown has six catches. Josh Reynolds has five and five. So when you look at it, they're not. They're not threatening teams down the field right so teams know that they're not going up top everything is intermediate among ross st brown to deep curls by josh reynolds to you know angle routes by sam laporta angle routes by jameer gibbs i mean you stack the middle against the lines and and protect the corner routes you're going to be pretty successful because nobody's stretching the field so that's how you that's why you miss a jameson williams you got to have somebody to stretch the field um, it's hard to just continually just dink and dunk and dink and dunk, especially when you don't have control in the run game. Yes, David Montgomery was doing great. You know, 16 for 67, he goes down. You know, that was tough. The big fumble after halftime, that's tough, right? They pick it up, they go and score a touchdown, right? So it's just offensively, you know, you put a lot of pressure on Jared Goff to have to be super accurate every play, you know, just not enough big plays. And like I said, once teams start to figure out that this is all you're really trying to do, then they're going to be all over that. And yeah, they scored 31 points or whatever it was, but it just didn't seem like it was a dominant performance. It was a scrappy, just, uh, and if you'd have had the defense to go along with it and you find a way to win that game, you feel like, yeah, we scrapped, we scratched that one now. It wasn't pretty, you know, 
but we got it done. When you lose those games, it's like, man, offensively, we didn't play great. Defensively, we didn't play great at all. So from a team standpoint, we just didn't play good. Yeah. Like you said, it was a lot of, it was a scrappy performance on offense where all of a sudden something would click. Josh Reynolds had those two big touchdowns. Those were great, but it just wasn't cohesive. They weren't get, it wasn't a first down, second down, new set of downs. It was a lot of third downs for the lions, a lot of fourth downs for the lions. They picked up a fair amount of them, but it just, like you said, when everything is underneath and Jared Goff, very accurate underneath, but he is also a quarterback that needs to be able to take that deep shot, get some of the pressure off of him because they're going to start crowding. And when Jared Goff is crowded and under pressure, that's when things start to not go so well. Right. And, you know, yesterday we're watching the game and, you know, Seattle comes out, goes on an 18 play drive and scores a touchdown, right? Lions come back, go on a nine play drive and score a touchdown. And you text me and you're like, here we go. Um, or this is, I can't, Look, let me see. I think it was, looks like we got a game. Yeah. looks like I'll tell you exact. I like exactness. Yesterday looks like we got a game. And my exact response was the second drives are the determining factor, right? Because teams come out and they script generally the first drive, right? They have 15 plays or so that's scripted. Most of the teams come out pretty good, right? So Seattle comes out with a touchdown. The Lions come right back with a touchdown. The second drives are when we know if it's going to be our day. Seattle comes out. We force a punt, right? We come back and have a turnover on downs. Yeah. Right? We force a punt. We got to go back and put points on the board. We have a turnover on down. Seattle has a missed field goal. So we're still there. We come back and get a touchdown. We come back and force a punt. Now, okay, we're up 14-7. It's an opportunity for us to put our foot on their throat. We come back four plays, punt. Seattle misses another field goal. We go into halftime. No, we fumble, right? One play right at the end of the half, right? Come back to first drive of the third quarter. It's another opportunity for us to get a points. Another opportunity. We fumble again. And now Seattle picks up the ball, go three plays, and it's a touchdown. So we come out and score 7-7. We force a punt. We turn over on a down. We get a missed field goal. We score. Now it's 14-7. We force another punt. Then we punt. They get another missed field goal. We fumble and fumble. And that's the opportunity. We're up 14-7. We should at least get a field goal or something and go up 17-7. Come out the half, put a drive together. You go up 24-7 or 28-7, however you want to look at it. Game is over. Game is over, right? You fumble. Now Seattle comes back, and now it's a different ball game. And that, just the mistakes there, the turnovers, 21 points off of turnovers with that turnover on downs with the Jared Goff pick six, which was literally a one play point. And then David Montgomery's fumble. They go get points off of that as well. It just too many mistakes, too many critical mistakes. And it put the defense at a disadvantage. A lot of people want to lay this loss at the feet of Aaron Glenn and the defense. 
you can't do all of that though. 21 points off of turnovers is unacceptable. No question. You can't have 21 points off of turnovers. So it goes hand in hand, right? You, you, the one play is a pick six. So the defense doesn't even have an opportunity. The other one is the fumble deep in your territory. Yes. Defensively, you got to try to come out and hold that to a field goal. Right. But the offense puts you in a bad situation. Right. So when you look at a game like that, you lose in overtime, but you're like, man, if we just played clean, we win that game 31 to 14. If we just play clean, if we play a good game, it's not even close. It's not even close. I mean, it's not even close. And we didn't even have any turnovers. We didn't have any sacks. We didn't have, like, we didn't really do anything. But if we just play a clean game, we still get out of there with a win. And then typical Detroit Lions fans, just the way that Lions fans typically go after a bad loss, they're already calling for Aaron Glenn to be fired just one week after being all happy that he shut down Patrick Mahomes. It is the polarizing nature of the Detroit Lions. Not going to happen. They're going to ride out with Aaron Glenn for the rest of the season. We'll see if it stays bad. Maybe they make a change then, but stop overreacting to one games. Just, just stop. Just stop. But like, you know, when you look at the stat sheet, right? It tells you a lot defensively. The Lions top one, two, three, four tacklers were DBs. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, six tackles. Jerry Jacobs, six tackles. Kirby Joseph, six tackles. Cam Sutton, six tackles. Your top four guys leading your stat sheet defensively with tackles are all your starting DBs. That's not good. That's not good. Your linebackers only had four tackles. Anzalone had four. Derek Barnes had four. Jack Campbell, two. Aiden Hutchinson, two. Like, two. like, we're not getting it done, guys. We're just not getting it done. When you got 24 tackles by your starting secondary, that's not getting it done. No. Can't have that. I, I, you can't have that. We had one tackle for loss, and that was Anzalone on the deep sack. One tackle for loss. Ain't going to cut it. Pitiful. Absolutely pitiful. What are you hoping to see next week against the Atlanta Falcons? How can these Detroit Lions rebound both on defense, on offense, just as a team? What do you need to see? You know, they have to... You know, you have to establish, like, a dominance some type of way either O-line-wise, D-line-wise. You have to establish that. You can't finesse it all the time. So if you're going to be gritty, you got to be gritty. Like, you got to stick to the run game sometimes. And, you know, the guy said it on TV yesterday. Like, let Jameer Gibbs run some of the same runs that David Montgomery runs. Like, he can run between the tackles and and get straight up field. Everything they're giving him is outside, outside, outside. And he's not really getting the chance to go forward, put his foot in the ground and get vertical like that because he's running so much stuff to the outside. So I, I just want to see them play good game. You know, we need to get a good game from from Hutch. You know, we got two games, don't have any sacks. Um, you know, we need to get a good game from the secondary. We we got to be able to turn the ball over. We got to be able to play good coverage. And then offensively, you know, we need some big plays. 
point blank period. We need some big plays. It's hard to just be 18 or 9 or 10 play drives every time. you got to have some big plays. So just want to see that. And this Atlanta team is they're 2-0. They've been playing well. They're young, feisty. So it's going to be a tough challenge. Big week ahead for the Detroit Lions. One final thought on the game that just happened, and it's a thought from you, recognizing that the hits that you're seeing on the field seem so much bigger than when you played. Do you think that's actually the case, or do you think it's just time away makes you think, huh, I used to do that? You know, I I think it's just TV. You know, you watch it on TV. You know what? And it may just be watching, period. Because I remember growing up, and when I was a middle school player, and, you know, I would go and watch high school football games, it used to be like, man, those guys are good out there. They are fast. They're big. They're hitting hard. And then when I got to high school, I was out there, and it was just kind of like normal, right? But when I was in high school, and I used to go and watch my JUCO play, you know, and I'm watching junior college games, I'm like, wow, look at those guys. Man, they're fast and strong and those running backs are running hard and look at those. Oh, and then I got to Juco and, you know, I was out there and I was one of the better players. Right. But even then I'm in Juco and I'm watching college ball on Saturdays and I'm like, wow. And then I go to college ball and I'm doing and I'm watching NFL. I'm like, man, look at these guys in the league, bro. Like, look at these receivers. How do you cover these guys and these running backs? And then you get out there and, you know, you're playing. So I think it's just what it looks like on TV or whatever. Because when you're out there, you know, those collisions are those collisions. And, you know, when you're a big guy or you know how, you know what I'm saying, maybe that's what it looked like. So that's probably why my mom used to always cringe, you know, when I'm out there playing and she's having to watch the games. And I can only imagine what I would probably be feeling like if my sons were out there. Because, man, you see some of those hits, you're like, ah, oh, golly. But um, yeah, I ain't gonna lie. It looks it looks uh very 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 physical. As someone who watched you play during your prime, I can tell you that it was just as physical back then. <laughs> <laughs> the shots that you were giving out, the shots that Calvin Johnson was taking, those were real. Those were just as big as anything you see today. Man, that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> you would know. You're the one who did it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know, man. It was just, it always, it always gets me when I'm watching it always. So looking across this NFL in this NFC lions one and one, but so is pretty much everyone else across the NFC. We've got the bears, the Packers and Cardinals. They're all Owen two. the saints or the Panthers will join them. And then we've got the Cowboys, the Eagles and the 49ers. who we all expected would be dominant this season. They're all two and oh, and then we've got the Falcons and bucks. Everyone else, one and one. Still lots of time for the Lions to assert themselves in this NFC standings. Glover, any thoughts? Well, I mean, I think that's how you started out the season, right? You know, week one is always a great week to get off to a great start, right? Week two for some teams is a separator week, right? Can you can you can you couple up a win and can you stop from having two losses, right? That's what week two is. Week three is the is the absolute separator right teams that are two and oh can you get to three and oh and separate yourself teams that are oh and two can you get to one and two and get back halfway in the race and teams that are one and one can you win and get to two and one or do you lose and go to one and two so week three is a big week the Lions need to come out and get a win 
and go to two and one and then knock Atlanta to two and one because Atlanta's two and oh right now. So if they could do that, well, then now you're both two and one and you have the head to head tiebreaker over Atlanta. But if you don't and now you get to one and two, now you put yourself in a situation where you're one and two. You got two NFC losses. So now you will have you'll be behind tiebreaker wise Seattle and Atlanta. You don't want to be behind all those teams because, like you said, Tampa Bay is 2-0. So it looks like it, at early you got Tampa Bay and Atlanta fighting for that division title. And like we said, Seattle will probably not win their division with San Francisco and L.A. in it. So you're going to have a lot of teams at this point that's going to be fighting for those wild card spots. So if the Lions don't win a division, which they should, but if they don't, it's going to be difficult getting a wild card spot. It is. It is. These obviously the divisional games are the most important of the Lions' schedule against the Packers, the Bears, the Vikings. Those are the most important. But the NFC teams that they face, it's not that far behind because they need the those standings. They need to be ahead in case they don't win the NFC North. If they are fighting for a wild card spot, got to beat the Atlanta Falcons. This is going to be a physical team, though. The Atlanta Falcons are a very physical team. They want to run it down your throats. Worried about that, or yeah, we'll see. I am. I am. I'm worried about that, you know, because the Lions haven't shown the ability to, you know, consistently do that, stop that. And, you know, I saw a couple of plays from, from you know, the running back in Atlanta, Bijan Robinson. He's good, man. He's good. Yep. They got a good young core, tight end, wide receivers. They're, 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 they could be explosive, you know. So it's going to be a big task. It's going to be a huge task. For the Detroit Lions. Big task ahead with the Atlanta Falcons. Big week ahead for the Detroit Lions in practice. Glover, any final thoughts? Any pluggables to plug? Nah, man. Uh, hey. <sighs> we got to regroup. We got to regroup and, and you know, come back and get the win. We can't, we can't drop two in a row. It's a home game for the Lions? I believe it is a home game for the Lions. Okay, right. yeah. You can't, you can't drop two in a row at home. Can't drop two in a row at home. So lick our wounds, get back to it. You know, like I say, sometimes you get a loss and it just refocuses you, right? They've been nine and two. They've been on the roll and, you know, you went on national TV. So everybody's been pumping you up and you this and this and that. Sometimes it takes a loss to recalibrate the system. So hopefully that's what they do. And they come back next week ready to go at home versus the Falcons, and then on Thursday night against the Green Bay uh, Packers in Green Bay. So it's going to be an even quicker turnaround for that. We'll be there to cover it all. But until then, we will see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.